0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Female Fist for the fourth episode. Today, with us, we have a very well known decorated boxer and coach. He is formerly ranked number one in the world by the International Boxing Federation NABO champion at the super middleweight. He has famously fought Bernard Hopkins, Jeff Lacey, and Glenn Johnson in the pros as well, with an extremely impressive amateur record of 90 wins, 9 0 and 11 losses with it is with so much extreme pleasure to welcome Sid Vanderpool. How are you doing Sid?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to chat with me today.
0: No, thank you for joining us. So your professional career it began in 1993. That was 2 years before I was born.
1: Oh my gosh, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. But from what I understand, you actually started boxing, like your boxing journey in 1978, was it?
1: Yeah, 78, correct. 78. When you were like six yeah. years old? Six and a half years old. That was so it. Like,
0: that is such a. Okay. I personally haven't really met anybody that's actually started boxing at six years old. What was that like back in the 70s? Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I didn't have anything to compare it to. Right. I just, cause again, I had four older brothers and they were all boxing. So that just kind of seemed like normal is kind of like what we did as a family. Yeah. So, you know, that was just part of what I did growing up. And, you know, when we had the opportunity, for, the opportunity came for me to jump in the ring. Uh, my dad kind of was like, Hey, get in there. And uh, I did it. And uh, there was no looking back once I was in the ring and won my first fight. That was just like a feeling
0: that just took you from there all the way to yeah. now.
1: Yeah 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 pretty much you know it was um again i i i box as a southpaw but i'm right-handed so i am just taking i got that because my oldest brother is a southpaw and just watching him just being around the gym watching i stood the way he stood and when i got in the ring i just started boxing as a southpaw and no one ever corrected me because i was doing it and doing it well so you know i just boxing was always a part of kind of what we did and uh you know, we, I mean, we had a ring in our our yard. We'd spar in the driveway. We had a gym, like weights in our, like, I mean, this is in the seventies and the eighties. I mean, we had all these things and that's kind of just what was uh what was part of our lifestyle.
0: That's so beautiful. Just growing up with that natural instinct and having that support your whole family. I would hate to get into a fight of that car ride. The whole family, all your (laughs) brothers and your dad. Never mind. Thank you. Keep driving.
1: I don't care if you're driving
0: 20 under the speed limit. (laughs) (laughs) We're
1: forced to reckon with, definitely.
0: Right. (laughs) So I guess now, if we take out the pandemic for a second, like 2021, Mm -hmm. as opposed to 1978, you've gone through a whole timeline of boxing like completely different eras, all linked together. You've seen everything firsthand from the amateurs and the professionals.
1: Yeah, that's it. Take me on a journey. I I really, honestly, I've never really thought about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I do remember, I remember it's crazy. Like when I was a kid, we would go to Brantford and we would um, fight. And uh, for some reason, I think we might've even got like, three or four dollars or something at the end of the fight uh we would fight with no headgear. uh we would fight three times in one day like that was just tournaments oh yeah tournaments you get you could fight multiple times in one day you know in those days and that's why you know having 100 fights back then was just like whatever like it was like nothing easy that was nothing that's kind of what we did you know these days you know um i don't know when you go to a fight do you bring your boxing gear with you every single time yeah like whether you're fighting or not yeah absolutely yeah like that was just and you would bring your gear every time you went anywhere and you would get fights and that was just what happened and
0: oh and- i thought for a second you meant like as like if i'm no. going to a fight so no no if no. i'm going to a tournament and i don't have a fight i don't bring my stuff no, way. I can there, was no,
1: spect- like- no there was no spectating <laughs> You went to a fight show to support your your team, or whatever. You always brought your gear, and the, there were lots of times when be like they didn't have enough fights so or something fell through, and you'd get in the ring and fight. That's just the way it happened. Really? Oh, all the time, all the time.
0: And that's so different from now because now there's so much, um, preparation that goes into one fight. Like it's like a six to eight week, uh, training just for that one tournament that you get, like you even plan out once you're done the fight, what you're going to do in the next 24 hours leading up to the next fight. If you have another fight, everything is all scheduled for everybody.
1: You know, back then you uh, were always ready, always ready. You just went to the, yeah, always ready.
0: That's a very different mindset. It so like, different. if different. you were going to compare what you think the athletes, um, are going through right now as boxers, like 2020 from mm-hmm. 1970s, what would you mm-hmm. say all those, like the major transitions that you've seen personally?
1: Yeah. And you kind of just hit on it right there as well. The preparation, um, now is it's a lot more specific to an event, to a fight, um, there are, like, I don't want to say boxing was more recreational then, but it was just, um, it was kind of like, it was, it was, I don't know, man, I don't want to say it was fun, because it's still fun now, but it was just something you did, you know, like, it wasn't like, okay, I'm preparing for this one match, because this match is going to leave me here, 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 it was just like, oh, I'm at a fight show, and oh, there's a fight, sure, I'll fight, but you were ready. You fought, but you were all. So there was that you were sort like of thing. like enjoyable, it
0: was just, almost.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It was part. It was like recreation. You right. fought to to win and to get better and to move forward, but it was just a recreation, right? You know, that was just normal.
0: That is, you know, I couldn't, I can't even imagine that because in my day, like even me growing up in a gym, even as a girl as well, since like Mm. women in boxing haven't been as popular for that much, like for that long. So even for Mm. me, like, it's always been so structured. Like when Mm. you have a fight, you have to, you know, really prepare for it. And you you're focusing on this one day, like when you get to fight and it's a completely different mindset. You almost, don't enjoy it as much because you're so focused on, I have to perform like this. I have to make that win or else I don't get to go to this point.
1: Yeah. And I guess there wasn't so much emphasis put on winning and losing maybe as well. Yeah, Like, uh, because again, you could be at a show and it, coaches were always just hustling, just like, Hey, you want to fight? Oh, you want, let's do an exhibition. Okay. Let's do an exhibition. Yeah. All right, good. Get in there. You <laughs> know, like it was just, Get in the ring, like that's what you did. You got in the ring. If you went to a fight, it was like, Hey, I might get in the ring tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the ring was. <laughs>
0: sometimes i hear these stories even from my father because sometimes he'd say like oh you boxers nowadays you guys don't know what it was like to really enjoy boxing back in my days you show up you just fight he said to me that sometimes people would put bricks in their pockets just to fight up weight classes
1: just to get the weight class because you wanted to fight yeah you, wanted to get the, you just wanted to get the rig
0: what a different like mindset completely that's oh. really, i, I kind of wish that i was able to see that
1: and even after the fights, like I remember, you know, just as a kid, after the fight, you would you would get a little ticket and you would get your hot dog and your pop, right? And so like you know, like you got you fought, you got your ticket, you went, you got your hot dog and your pop, you know, and that's just like that's why I went to Brantford. That's why I went there because was like, hey man, after the fight, I'm getting my hot dog and my pop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nowadays oh my god imagine seeing a fighter just go grab a pop after their fight be like what are you doing (laughs) I'm just trying to enjoy my win oh my god (laughs) that's so funny so I guess like the transition to going to pro as well you would say is very different like from when you turned pro in the 90s compared to how boxers are now it's becoming like a trend for boxers and amateur to turn pro nowadays what would you say are the major differences in those hemisphere hemispheres from your perspective
1: Mm -hmm. so the difference between um boxing as a as an amateur and boxing as a pro yeah and are you talking uh boxing as a high level amateur Or just, uh, I would say
0: um, I'm going to go with high level amateurs. We've seen recently, for example, uh, Amanda Galley went this past Mm -hmm. few years uh, from Canadian champion in the amateurs to now she's going professional. And we see um, a couple of the Wilcox brothers, all national champions, and now they're turning pro. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if you're a high level amateur, you've already understand the system and the structure of performance. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to make the transition into a professional uh, camp, into a professional uh, stable where they're going to demand the same of you, right? Right. But if you weren't uh, a high level amateur, you may not understand the structure of high level performance, right? Which again, you got your strength training, you got your nutrition, you got your recovery, you got all these things. And so those are so important as a pro. And uh, so really, I think the transition uh, as a boxer uh, then just becomes adapting to the different style because you're doing more rounds right? and um, the pace is a little bit slower, a little more emphasis on power and show and entertainment, all those things that your coach is going to need to kind of develop within you. But the foundation is there, right? The foundation of discipline and and, uh, structure should already be in place.
0: So when you transitioned from the amateurs to the professionals, do you find that back then it was a little bit more different than how people transition this day and age? Like, do you find that, um, because you yourself were a high level amateur as well, you had all mm-hmm. those foundations, you had all the preparations, but do you find that it's a little bit different now, the procedures in professional boxing, as opposed to when you went into it?
1: Yeah. I didn't spend enough time uh, in the amateurs at the international level. So right. again, I turned pro at 19. So I really had only been senior for one year where you really start to then get, because now they're going to gear you for the Olympics. So right. now you're getting, you know, different training camps and that sort of thing. So yeah. I didn't have that structure, uh, a long time in that structure. So when I turned pro, again, it was a learning process for me. Um, you know, and I didn't get that until I went to a training camp, uh, you know, with John Davenport, who was at one time, he was Olympic, uh, an Olympic coach yeah. for the US team. He trained uh, Lennox Lewis for his like, first like 13, 14 fights. Right. Um, you know, so when I got there, that's when I learned, hey, buddy, you were just, you're just an amateur in the pros. How about coming over and being a real pro? And that's wow. kind of what I learned about the system and the structure and the discipline, all those things that really make you a pro and not just an amateur fighting in the pros
0: different very very different so you would say that like nowadays people are a little bit more aware of that because of all the new opportunities like now it's a lot easier for amateurs to get that international experience they have like all these international tournaments that like north america and europe they constantly have tournaments where they're inviting each other over for like big qualifiers and whatnot
1: yeah. So, I mean, that international experience is there, but just because you have the international experience doesn't mean you have the, uh, the system to support it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you can go to international fights, which is great, mm-hmm. but there's the whole preparation for it. Right. right. The whole, you know, periodization of training, that mm-hmm. whole system of understanding, how do you get yourself to be able to peak on that one day? Yeah. Get one day. This is what's amazing about boxing. Right. You can train for six, eight, ten weeks. On one day, you have to bring out your very best against somebody <laughs> yeah. else is bringing their very best on that single day. <laughs> Do or Who die. Who signs up for that? Who signs up for that? Right in football, you know, they got you know, I'll play again, I play again. Like in boxing, no, like it's one day, bring your best yeah. on that day. Like it's, uh, it's, it's
0: you crazy have to people. give it one hundred in that <laughs> moment. No, I totally <laughs> get it. A, <laughs> everybody always says like you have to be a little crazy just to go in the ring for those kinds of rushes but that that intensity it's the process in my personal like opinion it's the process leading up to that that's so rewarding regardless Mm -hmm. of the outcome it's what you do in preparation to those kinds of events and how you deliver yourself because the outcome sometimes isn't your decision sometimes it's Mm -hmm. just what you bring to the table.
1: Absolutely. That's the only thing you really have control over, right? Is your preparation. You could get a bad judge. You could uh, be sick. Like there's so many things that you have no control over, but what you do have control over is your preparation. So, and that's why you always want to make sure that your preparation, you know, is you're you're doing all you can and you're learning from it. Because sometimes one preparation um, may not be the best or, Preparation is it's it's building blocks, right? The preparation yeah. that um the end result is not seen in six weeks. Mm-hmm. It took many training camps built on top of many training camps to get you to that point. And yeah. so don't think, oh yeah, it's just a six week that's why I'm, I'm... no, it was no. five other six week training camps here, yeah, right?
0: Absolutely, a hundred percent. I think that sometimes when people are first starting boxing they think that's what it is. Oh, well, fighters are only taking six to eight weeks to get prepared for this big fight. They don't see the journey that's being built on this because it's fighting. Like it's not something that you go in and play. You go in there and somebody is aiming to like their ultimate goal is to knock you out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And both participants
0: are going in with that mindset. So it's a very dangerous Mm -hmm. game. You, You don't play that. You have to really, really build for those moments,
1: yeah, no, for sure. There's, so now it's um, like that book of work that you need to put in.
0: Absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: No, no, that's okay. Yes. So
0: now, now, like in the '70s, because we've mm-hmm. seen women going into the Olympics in 2012.
1: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a
0: that's a very late start for women, mm-hmm. considering all of our progress that we've made throughout all the sports venues. So people are so surprised when I say that the woman woman made their first appearance in the Olympics in 2012.
1: It's crazy. It's crazy.
0: Like, when you started, like, how relevant was a woman boxing? Like, what was that like in your competitive years?
1: How relevant? Yeah. Really? Oh, man i am got to use a different word than relevant. Relevant just seems so, I can't say it was irrelevant. But there there was like, my brother Keith started training uh, female fighters to compete, you know, around the time, like 96, 98. And, you know, you'll hear, um, you know, I was listening to um, Mandy speak and she talked about Donna Mancuso. Well, my brother Keith trained Donna Mancuso.
0: Oh, really? So
1: that was my, and I used to spar with Donna Mancuso um and yeah like so that was the kind of first experience that I had gotten to to females boxing and actually get in the ring and in terms of skill level and and um coachability those things I mean obviously on par with what men are doing right um and some exceeding but that was my first experience really to you know to be in the ring with someone at at a high level and right again not near the international or fight experience that I had, but like skill-wise, like very skilled. right. Right. So it was good. It was uh, was a good uh, introduction to that.
0: Because it wasn't so much that women couldn't do it, but of course, we've always had the same capabilities, but the opportunities just weren't there.
1: There Even like girls
0: that had this raw talent, sometimes it was so hard for them to even develop that talent because there was nobody else for them to do it. A lot of girls just didn't even know that they could or that they were even welcome because a lot of girls would get shied away from a gym, to my understanding. Mm-hmm. Even Mandy herself said that she's experienced some like moments where people were like, No, this is your ring, or even it's time for you to come out and let the yeah. guys come in. So, like, yeah, back in when you were competing, did you ever experience personally where you seen something like that?
1: Um. I mean, I'll say like, I mean, I was a part of it because how many times would I be out in the, the mall and I'd be like, see a big guy like, yo, you, you're a heavyweight, you come to the gym. When did I ever look at a female and go, hey, you could, you should come to the, like, it just wasn't, I just didn't think about it, right? Right. And so, you know, we were picking guys out to like, come to the gym, come to the gym. And we were like, yeah. the girls, hey, come, come join me at the gym, right? It was just because it wasn't, it wasn't part of our culture yet. Right, I so it. I think now, like with what you're doing, and just again that that whole awareness, like, hey, you know, females are doing it, doing it at a high level. Um, you know, I was watching, uh, I forget her name, but she's Russian, and uh, oh, I was watching right. her, yeah, right. so far, right. Oh my goodness, like just, I don't know if I want to fight her, like was <laughs> fun it's like for real, yeah. and you know kudos to mandy she makes me watch she's like you gotta watch this girl you gotta watch this girl and i was like yeah girl boxing i don't know like they're not because i hadn't seen any high level female boxing like at that level right and like you know mandy but like and now i'm like wow like some really good boxers yeah and i think everyone needs to be exposed to that exactly
0: i think that now like that girls are going into ufc and ufc has brought a lot of attention to women in combat because obviously Mm -hmm. women have been professional in boxing for a lot longer than women have been in ufc but it just wasn't announced we didn't have that platform for people to recognize like hey girls are doing this and they're not just doing it but they're doing it really well Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. see in like ufc and now in professional boxing recently like with katie taylor and um the serrano sister like they're highlighting main events yeah it's such a huge movement and it's so wonderful and when people at first like with that impression oh well it's just girls fighting like they're not fighting at the same intensity as guys but then when they see these girls and they're like oh my god because the stereotype is also that a girl almost looks like a guy to be considered Mm. dangerous Mm. But then you see somebody like Katie Taylor, or you see somebody like Mandy Bujold, or you see somebody like the Serrano sisters, and these are beautiful women,
1: mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. can
0: fight, and yeah. they can take a hit.
1: Yeah, and and you know, I think, um, I mean, even back from like uh, Christy Martin, I mean, when she was on, like, some of the most exciting fights, right, the undercard, Christy and but what you're seeing now and again because of the exposure because there's more females in the sport you're seeing the skill level just yes why will that like and that is what i'm excited about absolutely. right absolutely the skill level is is on par it's like wow okay now okay yeah
0: okay. watch out gentlemen
1: <laughs> watch out you think you're just gonna be main event just because you're a guy not no, no not, you no. know what I mean? you better yeah like and it's, it's exciting even
0: like in my personal experience, when my father used to host um, the club shows, I've made mm-hmm. a vented one of his club shows. And he's told me that the club shows of his that I've made a vented has filled up the most because they're so excited to see yeah. at the time I was still um, a novice and I was yeah. like, I think 18, 19 years old. So everybody yeah. was just so excited to see a young girl fighting at that level just being a main event in a local club show they were just really curious
1: and let's be honest too i mean you're so explosive right people just want to see it because you could knock someone's head off at any moment so it's like
0: (laughs) (laughs) but go on (laughs)
1: right
0: but it really made me feel like you know that's such a good feeling, not just because mm-hmm. of like how I'm performing, but just at a level of a young girl. Cause I know there's a young girl in the audience. That's mostly yeah. looking at me thinking, wow, like that's now in her head as normal. Cause she's seen it. So now she knows if that were something she wanted to do, she's already seen it. So she thinks like, I can do that.
1: Yeah, so no, it, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's that. why, you know, conversations like this are so important because you know, as a male, when I hear like, "Oh, wow!" like I was inspired because I saw another female in the gym. And I was just like, "Oh, really? Like, why are you inspired?" But like, I'm not a female, so I don't know that. And then when I hear, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, really? That's cool!" You know, the female athletes that I have in the gym, I need to make sure that they stick around a little bit extra, talk to some of them, you know what I mean? Get yeah. on social media a little bit more because they could inspire the next Mandy Boujol. They could, you know, that's all it takes. That's all it takes, right? So, um, yeah, this is, these are these are great conversations to have. For sure.
0: Well, sure. Even for me, like when I was growing up into the sport, my dad told me about Mandy. This is before, you know, obviously the Olympics was even a thought for women, but he told me about Mandy. He's like, you want to know what it takes to be a successful female boxer there's a girl right now representing Canada and she's had multiple national titles and she's somebody you need to watch because she does everything to a T. She's so dedicated. I wish that Mm -hmm. half of my guys were even half as dedicated as her. And that said so much to me. I was like, really? And I, at first I thought like, Mandy, is this like, like somebody who's like really like, cause that's, this is my image all the time. I was like, I was thinking that then he's like, no, she's actually going to be a weight class, like lower than you. You're probably going go to be 54 you. and she's 51 kilos. And I'm like, no way. And then I saw her and I'm like, wow. And she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she's so mm-hmm. humble. And yeah. that was so like, wow that like, that was a perfect example for me in that moment. Like, okay, so yeah, I guess women are doing this and they're doing it well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. no. So and I want to be
0: that for somebody whenever they look at me too. That's like one of mm-hmm. my motives.
1: And I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are.
0: Thank you. <laughs> but as a coach mm-hmm. with these incredible credentials, And amazing insights from firsthand experiences in both amateur and professionals. As I mentioned, you've built this beautiful legacy from the sport from like 1978, all the way to 2021. Now you have your own facility. You have your own programs. You have professional fighters. You have Olympic fighters. You have successful national championships. You've had this wonderful legacy of yours and For boxing, a lot of athletes turn to you and a lot of athletes confide in you and ask you for your advice. So, when did you start noticing more females asking you about this? When did you start noticing that more females were walking in through your door and being the ones asking you? What was that like two
1: weeks ago? Good. <laughs> no, um, you know what? It's been a slow uh, transition and progression, um, you know, because, I mean, you may know some of the, like, some of the females that I started in boxing, you know, Jessica Camara, right. day one, like, this is where she started her boxing career. Natasha Spence, this is where she started. Um, so, you know, I've always had an ability to help develop fighters, and some of them are female and some of them are male. And uh, I think now that uh, I'm a little bit more involved in the amateur boxing scene, you know, as a director, I'm a boxing Ontario and part of the coaching committee and that sort of thing. I think now um, that I'm out there a little bit more, you know, uh, just more athletes are recognizing uh, I have a voice. And so they'll be able to see me a little bit more and some connect and some don't. And those that connect with me, you know, uh, we have conversations and that leads to other things. And, uh, you know, um, I'm always happy. Like, I'm always happy to share my experiences. That's why I had them. I didn't have those experiences so I could, um, you know, uh, write a book or anything like that. I had the experiences. They're not just for me. They're to share. And the more I share my experiences, it honors it honors my coaches, right? Because a lot of what I have in me is what they put inside of me. And so I honored, honored my coaches like Arnie Beam and, and Adrian rescue and you know, Everton McEwen, you know, I, I honor them by sharing, you know, my knowledge. And so that's, that is required uh, of me as a coach. And that's what I teach my coaches as well.
0: And that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that that's a perfect way to kind of put that into perspective, everything that you've learned and everything that you've experienced bring you forth to whoever is now your student. That's not just you in that moment, but that's everything that you've built throughout the years coming into that moment. And I think that's yeah. like really important for people to realize and understand that many of our coaches have had, you specifically, have had these great experiences. You're not just speaking from a point of like, I'm here for this. You're speaking yeah, to yeah. A place right here because yeah. this is important to you and that's quality over quantity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very important and, I think. and, you know, when people want to give me credit and say, Oh, you know, Sid's a great coach. Well, you better add about another 10 names to that, you know, because it's not me. Like it's, there's so many other people that invested in me, in my development, in my coaching that, you know, part of my knowledge comes from them and the only thing that I get to do is I get to add my little, um, the way that I say it, the way that I uh, deliver it. But it's not new information. I didn't, des- I didn't develop it, and design it, and make something new. I just took what they gave me and I package it a little bit different and I systemize it, systematize it a little bit different. But you know, I'm not that, you know, bold and that, you know, uh, arrogant to say well this is me this is Savannah <laughs> a great coach well I'm not really like this is a good thief <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just a good thief <laughs>
1: you know, all my coaches I or a good student and, and homage. this this is true I and that is true I mean I always listened I always wanted to learn I always wanted I, I absorbed I was really great at listening and asking questions and uh I didn't know why but now I do right that's it's so I can share so I can share that knowledge and experience with others
0: there's a saying that I heard that's making me think of you right now I think it went um, your purpose is to find your gift your meaning Mm. is to give that gift I I like that yeah I think that was Paulo Coelho. Don't nobody quote me on that.
1: Okay, well we'll have to look it up.
0: <laughs> but I think that it was Paulo Coelho, that's good, and that's, good. Uh, that's what makes me think of you is, is specifically that saying. And I think that that's great because there's a lot of people that you're gonna meet that you're gonna interact with that you have already—not you're going to—that mm-hmm. you have already, me myself included—that mm-hmm. are gonna yeah. take those gifts and is going to make more foundations and building blocks to greater experiences for them. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, many female boxers as well that I know that you have on the rise right now, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And, uh, again, if I can help encourage and develop, you know, my athletes to understand the importance of, you know, uh, sowing into other people's lives and helping develop, like, it's just, it's that ripple effect. So that's always a part of, and again, that's how I grew up in boxing, you know, um, the history of Waterloo Regional Boxing Academy, again, where I developed under Arnie Beam. I mean, we had the Johnson brothers, we had, you know, Lennox Lewis, my, yeah. my brothers, Art, uh, Art Binkowski, another Olympian, like all these great fighters. And we had this, they used to call us the warehouse, you know, um, because oh, we'd what? all, after we won national championships, we'd go to, to Adrian. Adrian was was the benefactor of, a lot of great coaching in Kitchener. Yes. But what we did was we understood that when we learned something, we go to Adrian, we learn something. Guess what we did? We come back and we teach it to the other kids in the gym. That's what we did. Like, that's why we had such a long legacy of great boxing in Kitchener, is because what we learned, we shared amongst ourselves. It was open knowledge. Like Chris Johnson, that guy, man, like he he like he showed me so much. He was always trying to teach me, you know this that the other as he was learning it he was teaching it to me you right, know and exactly. i did the same for other people and that that was uh that was the tradition and, and the legacy and that's what i've always tried to kind of continue on with uh, with Sid fit
0: i really like that because when you learn something you embed it even deeper when you teach it to somebody else and then if you pass on like for example if you teach somebody to teach that to younger people then they learn it better and i understand what you're saying by that's how you create that legacy that's awesome. and
1: when the weakest link gets better everything gets better, better. our sparring was insane like right. it was so high level because everybody was constantly getting better we all like it wasn't like way up here and way down here it was like no like it'd be like here here like everything kept on going and awesome. so when you got to like our lowest level guy like you'd be like oh my gosh that guy's good It's like yeah because you know
0: right we, we
1: continue to raise the bar
0: And I I love that. Like the one thing that I always didn't like agree with was when people would have to kind of bring themselves to hear or to hear just to accommodate. It's like, it's, but I always personally love to be around people that were, had so much more experience than me, because then I knew that they would force me to really bring out the best I had in me. And then just practicing those kinds of skills, practicing that kind of mindset. Like even when I sparred with Mandy in so many different occasions, it's like, it tells me like, that's where that bar is. That's where that is. And that's where I need to get. And I push myself and push myself just to reach (laughs)
1: that bar. That's so important. No, absolutely. And something that we need to do as coaches, right? Like, like you said, like, why should an athlete have to reach down, like go down to another level to just, you know, be able to get good sparring? Like, why doesn't that athlete kind of reach down, help help the next person up? And, exactly. you know, I've seen that with Mandy time and time again, you know, she'll do some sparring with somebody and, you know, she'll break a person down and after she's done sparring, she'll go over and spend 10, 15 minutes teaching that young girl how to get better. She wasn't like, all right, I'm here. You're there. <laughs> Sucker. I was just like, I'm here. Let me try and help you to get a little bit higher yourself. And yes. that's, that's the culture.
0: Because just like what you said, when you make somebody better, the quality gets better. And then as you keep bringing them up, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I have to step it up a little bit in this area. And that's how you get better too. It is really a teamwork at the end of the day. As much as it's an individual sport, it's really a team sport at the end of the day.
1: Absolutely. You're getting it. (laughs)
0: Is
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Is there a goal in your opinion that hasn't been achieved yet in women women's boxing that you would like to see in women's boxing?
1: Like women's boxing in general or women's boxing in Canada? I'll say Canada. Uh, you know gold.
0: what? I'll say, I'm gonna say general, but I think Canada okay. is a perfect place to start because I think we both know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, in Canada, I mean, Olympic gold medal. You know, would be uh, would be nice, uh, and hopefully, uh, again, uh, coming soon uh, this summer, we will be able to accomplish that. Um, We've got uh, Tamara. uh, I don't know Tamara's last name, but phenomenal fighter, and uh, she's got a great chance to you know to podium. Um, You know, they're they're all good, but I mean, those are some of the ones that stood out to me, Tamara, and of course Mandy, right? And so it'd be nice to see both of them uh you know get gold medals absolutely yeah
0: those two girls are ferocious and it's funny because mandy's 51 and what weight class does tamara fight she's super tall
1: yeah like 80 I don't know, 81 like she's she's yeah you got 81 like, yeah, kilo here
0: you got 51 kilo here two like deadliest females right there in the country
1: Isn't yeah right. funny?
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. so um. for you I think I know the answer, but okay. for our audience, who is your choice, a female boxer for others to look up to as the gold standard? <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, that's easy. It's it's definitely uh, Mandy, Mandy Bujold. 100%. Um, yeah. And it's, again, I always like to look at the history of excellence. So what you're doing now is great. It's important. But it's, what was what was it built on? And when you look at, you know, since she was 16, I think she, like, 16, she didn't lose, you know, a national championships until she had, you know, she didn't lose at all. She went and had a baby, which was yeah. important, and then came back, right? So that was her little break. That was a little hiatus. It gave somebody an opportunity to sneak in there for one shot. But, um, you know, unprecedented 11 national championships. I mean, Absolutely. you just think about that. Like, how many people are, are just trying to get to the one or the two or the three? 11 right that's like that's you know and obviously internationally yeah. but um the 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 work ethic the discipline mm-hmm. um you know the humble attitude um just yeah it's it's, it's definitely and, and you can see why you know um brands like under armour and you know yes. everlast want to come out come alongside and support her and uh be a part of that right so
0: absolutely definitely. well because somebody with um with that kind of work ethic somebody can look at that and it doesn't necessarily have to be in boxing, but just that work ethic to obtain something that you want is something alone to admire. I mean, this girl trains like six days a week, like does she double train those six days a week or something like that, she works and works and works. And it's all for that one goal that she's seen for years. And despite even her 2016, we'll say, we'll say setback mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just for that little glitch there aside from yeah. that though that never stopped her she's like mm-hmm. this is my goal and nothing's stopping me until I get that goal no matter what yeah. and that yeah, like yeah. E- even before the olympics was even because she's been competing before 2012 but she knew yeah. that there was going to be a moment that she was going to get that t- that olympic gold
1: yeah yeah not totally. And I'm gonna call that a 2016 uh, 2016 experience.
0: Experience. Thank you for yeah. Thank
1: you. Yeah, because now when you hear her talk about it, you know she's not bitter. She's yeah. like that is what it is what it is, and that has actually made me stronger. Yes. Right. I've got another opportunity, and that opportunity, you consider like what she went through, and was able to still get in the ring, and uh, she knocked the girl down in that fight. Yeah. And. You know, uh, to finish that and do that now, like I mean, that experience has just made her, you know, even stronger. And you know, not—I mean, even Lennox Lewis, Lennox Lewis, eighty-four, uh lost. Uh, I think he lost his first, either first or second fight, eighty-four. Nobody remembers that. What do yeah. they remember? Eighty-eight, <laughs> gold medal. What yeah. are they going to remember? What Mandy Boujol, two thousand and twenty-one, gold medal. They're going to figure it. Up, you know what I mean? But, yeah, absolutely.
0: I hundred percent agree. Thank you for that. Do you have any last motivating words for our audience?
1: (laughs) Motivating words. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Um, Male, female, uh, whatever. I mean, there is a system and a process to success and failure. Both just don't happen. It just doesn't just happen. Like there are things that happen along the way. Like I would say, you know, the wheels just don't fall off the bus. It's like a nut falls off here, a nut falls off here, or vice versa. You put a nut on here, you put a nut on here. You, like There's little things that happen along the way that either create your success or they create your, your failure. And it's a system and a process to everything. And so just be aware of that. If um, you're not experiencing the success you want in an area, think about the system. What is my system? What is my process? How do I improve on that? If you improve on the process and the system, the outcome will be what it's going to be. And you can continue to improve on the, the, uh, the process. That's what we have control over.
0: Thank you so much, Sid. That's absolutely amazing. Thank you so welcome, much for Charlotte. taking the time to be here with everybody. Share your experiences and just talk about what you've seen. Your experiences alone, I'm sure, is going to really, really motivate a lot of people out there.
1: I'm happy to be able to share my experience and thank you for doing what you're doing with the show. And uh, I wish you much, much success.
0: Thank you so much, Sid. Can I get them up? So far. far. Oh, I'm going to do it too.
1: Ah, nice. Good work.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Sid.
1: You're welcome.
0: We'll see you soon. And everybody tune in next Friday,
1: 12 o'clock. We have a wonderful guest coming with us. So please be sure to tune in.